0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathstoreProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Dead Man. Over today we have Cora.
1: Hello.
0: And Bertie. Hi. And this episode is brought to you by the delicious taste of Harvey's. I have a Harvey's burger. I'm, I was hungry. Fuck you.
2: I don't know what that is,
0: it's Canadian.
1: Probably like Tim Hortons
2: or something. Nope. That actually wouldn't have clarified it for me any.
0: Tim Hortons is a coffee company. They do donuts and stuff and coffee. Harvey's makes hamburgers. They are a fast food.
2: Might have like there was a not to get off topic for too long, but there was like a map of what the most popular fast food joints were in various states and i feel like i might have seen harvey's in one of the northern states listed as the most popular fast food chain it was a forbes thing Ah. louisiana apparently it's chick-fil-a which i found amusing because i don't actually know where i could find one of those
1: I do, but it's impossible to get. It's impossibly annoying to get into, so I wouldn't go.
2: Oh, uh, you need reservations. For
0: the longest time, I well. didn't know what Chick Fil A was.
2: Me neither. New Orleans is very limited in terms of fast food options. I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing. It's, but a lot of the popular chains don't really make it here. Like, I had no fucking clue what a Raisin Canes was until I was like 17 and one opened up maybe 12 miles away.
0: The fuck's a Raisin Canes? It's
2: a chicken place. It's largely restricted to the South. I think it started in Louisiana, but didn't actually get to New Orleans until it had permeated the rest of the South.
0: Anyway, let's talk about fucking anime shit, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. So the new season has started.
2: Yes, it has.
1: Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Based on Birdie's tone, I'm going to assume that Cora's is the only one who's watched something from the new season.
2: I went most of December without watching anything. So the overwhelming majority of the things that I've watched, as far as anime is concerned, are from the new season.
0: Okay, then. So why don't you start us off then, Cora?
2: Okay. Well, the first anime that I watched was the anime Akiba's Trip. Because <laughs> I had the sudden revelation of, oh my god, they made an anime out of this.
0: Yes, they did.
2: And I had fami- I had familiarity with the game that this is based on because I think probably Jim Sterling and Game Grumps, not positive, but of the gaming channels that I follow, they seem like the ones that were, would have actually played this.
0: Yeah, that sounds and about right.
2: I found the game very confusing because, first of all, it's a game that clearly came up with the title first and then said, hey, this is a fun pun. What can we do with this? And it is a game about defeating weird zombie-ish enemies. I mean, they're a mindless mob in a sense, but they're... They look normal. And you defeat them by ripping their clothes off because exposing them to sunlight defeats them. Or oxygen. They The anime says oxygen. The game, I think, said sunlight. I don't care. It's That's their premise. Just, okay, we'll go with it.
0: Yeah, it's the pretense to say, hey, check it out, we can rip these people's clothes off.
2: Now, the game confused me because, first of all... It didn't actually seem to have that much fan service, as I recall. It never really presented the scantily clad enemies as all that sexualized. Like, once you rip their clothes off, they're in bikini or underwear, because there are actually male enemies as well. It seems to be relatively equal opportunity in that regard. And then I think they just disappear or something. So, I... I found it a very big question mark of a game to the point that I actually remembered it. So when I saw there was an anime adaptation of this,
0: I was very confused. Understandably so. And...
2: The anime does have more fan service, but it's still an odd... First of all, I don't think this is following the plot of the game. I'm not like
0: in broad
2: stroke. Yeah, more okay. so than you'd expect. In fact, that might have been my biggest complaint about what I saw of the game was that they spend so much time trying to build up the characters and world without much gameplay. And I was just kind of like, "I, hey, what are you? I don't get you, game." It's and- Japan, dog. Well, I didn't even know that for certain. It was clearly anime-inspired, but I could have easily seen this being a Western game that was trying to emulate Japanese games. I wasn't certain which it was. But, yeah, this anime is strange, because it's not, you know, it's okay production quality. It's doesn't have the same equal opportunity offender thing going for it as its source material. I don't think I saw any guys getting their clothes ripped off, but it's not terrible. <laughs> like, it it seems to be aware of how stupid it is enough that it's kind of having fun with the premise. I'm not going to be following this any, but I in some ways, it does, even if the plot differs from its source material, it does have the same response from me, which is, What are
1: you?
0: The Gonzo joint is what it is.
1: It's, oh, it's actually Gonzo? Yeah. Oh, that explains, yeah. actually, a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it's not as bad as I would have expected from everything I knew about it. So, if you're curious and think that you might get some enjoyment out of this, I actually can say, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not even bad. I'd probably give it just, like, a middling rating. But, if I had to draw a comparison, I would say that it reminds me a little bit of Don Machi, a.k.a. Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Which remains one of the weirdest fucking titles you could have. Yeah. But that d- interesting implication but I actually did kind of enjoy Don Machi, despite really having a, a singular irritating character that I could not stand and I this show has a somewhat similar quality none of the characters get on my nerves enough to, to stand out but I wouldn't say they're all that likable either but it just has a weird sense of humor about what it is on the other hand, I also watched Spirit Pact, mainly because everyone was saying, hey, Spirit Pact is fucking terrible. <laughs> and I was
1: curious. Is that the Chinese yes. series? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the only, my only, can- I, look, I remember looking at the premise of that and I was like, you know, despite the novelty of this being a Chinese series aired in Japan through a anime network, this sounds so generically boring, I'm not interested.
2: Oh, congratulations. That is exactly what it is.
0: Yeah, you called it, Bertie. Yeah,
2: it's Yu Yu Hakusho if no one was likable.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
2: And with very slightly better animation. <laughs> and I'm not taking. I'm not saying like, oh, if you updated Yu Yu Hakusho's graphics to present day quality this is slightly better than that. No, this is slightly better than Yu Yu Hakusho's animation from the 90s.
0: Oh, God.
2: I I, I don't understand this show. Like, I, okay, to be fair, from the opening, I recognized, okay, this is not a Japanese production, because the opening was quite clearly not in Japanese, and while I was pretty certain it was Chinese, I don't have a strong enough basis in the uh, languages of the region to say that with certainty but I was like this, I think this is Chinese and it uh, if even if I couldn't recognize Japanese the fact that this uh, opening clearly had Japanese subtitles helped key me in <laughs> but yeah this uh, this was interesting in how boring it was like There is very little I've seen in recent years that is quite this generic. I guess you could maybe point to, like, Taboo Tattoo, but honestly that oh, had more God. going for it.
0: I forgot that uh, existed.
2: Yeah. And there are some weird just production choices. Like, at points in the first episode, they have the... You know, like how they have the shoujo bubbles, you know, the little transparent effect that appears over, like, shojo anime at points yeah. in certain scenes, just as a stylistic thing? Yeah. Well, imagine odd transparent geometric shapes along the frame that just are there for no apparent reason. Okay. I, I don't know why. And... I think it was really only in the first half of the episode, because I found them wildly distracting when they showed up. And then I don't recall them showing up in the second half. So either I somehow just abruptly got used to them, or they stopped using that effect. Which just makes it all the more confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, main character dies... uh, weird white haired exorcist guy wants him to become his spirit buddy or whatever and evil spirits attack
0: sounds riveting
2: I think there are three characters in this first episode and one of them is the enemy that gets killed off like I actually think Oh, no, no, at the very opening, there are, like, just some random characters that are voiced. I was trying to think. I think there are, like, actually a total of five voice actors in this episode, probably. So, yeah. (laughs) This, (laughs) I'll, I'll acknowledge that given the fact that people were talking about it like it was the worst of the season... Technically not as bad as that might imply, but it is really bottom-of-the-barrel anime in terms of actual quality. But there's nothing, like, offensively terrible about it that will cause this to stick in your memory. And I originally was not planning on watching it, mainly because I think the promotional image just made me think, oh, yaoi. And, therefore, just kind of was like, okay, skip it. You know, because I approach Yaoi the same way I approach Yuri. Unless I hear, oh, this is really good. It's a genre that is outside my forte or interests, so I'm going to skip it. And, based on what I saw, I don't think it's going that route, but I also don't care So, yeah, it's – regardless of whether or not you think it's yaoi, skip it.
0: (laughs) I think it says something that over the course of you talking about the show, I kind of forgot what it was called.
2: Yeah, no, I kept forgetting it as well. And if I didn't have a list in front of me, you would have probably heard the clack of a keyboard as I was checking to see what was that show called. Spirit Packed. pretty generic name. Yeah. But yeah. I also watched the first episode of Minami Kamakura Koko Joshi Jidenchabu. Which is this season's Cycling Girls anime.
1: Gotta have one. And... Oh right, Jidenchabu. Cycling Club.
2: Yeah. And... <sighs> It has a lot of the same problems as Long Riders, but I think I like it more than Long Riders. Which isn't saying that much. Long Riders was very middling. But if there's one thing I have to say about this series, and I actually did go... uh, I tend to hang out around Anime News Network around this time and check to see people's reactions, and I didn't read much of anything regarding the series but I did catch one line which had already been bouncing around in my head which is welcome to gorgeous backgrounds the anime <laughs> because dear god I don't know who they've got working on the backgrounds for this series but they are fucking nailing it but it might work to the show's detriment because I don't really like the character designs that much <laughs> Like they do this thing where, whenever the camera's a little ways away from the characters, they the face just becomes like if it's a side profile shot, the face just becomes two curves. Uh, if you've ever read Mega Tokyo, you probably kind of know that character design, where the I can't really describe it, but it's. It does not work for me. And it's also, like, even on closer shots, when the mouths move, they're usually recessed a bit so that they don't have to do, like, lip flap, really, with the profile shot of the face. They want to make it where they can just animate the mouth separately from the rest of the head. And in recent production, I've gotten so used to... Seeing more effort put in in that regard, that it's almost a little jarring to see it, where it's like, okay, yeah, that's not great production quality, mm-hmm. and it is slow moving, much like Long Riders. Our main character literally cannot ride a bicycle at the beginning of this first episode. <laughs> And they kind of justify it. Okay, she hasn't ridden a bicycle since she was a little kid. And an offhand comment later on, which really should have been moved towards the beginning of this episode to help justify this more early on, reveals like her mother's uh, putting out clothes on to dry. And she has the thought, wait a minute. That bike that she used to ride, didn't it have training wheels on it? So... <laughs> Yeah, most of this first episode is our main character who is... moderately annoying, but didn't really get under my skin enough to frustrate me too much. But I think there were a few moments of, like, just face palming, where I was like, okay, I... You better get competent fast. Of her just failing miserably at bicycling. And... Actually, I remember the biggest facepalm moment was after one of the characters had specifically stated that you need to be careful with food because the you know, kites in the area will come down and grab food out of your hands if you're not indoors or under uh essentially sheltered.
0: Wait, did you say kites and, in the area? Like like a roving band of kites?
1: Uh the birds. Oh. The bird of prey, the kite.
0: I was not aware that birds were... I was not aware that 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 there was a bird called a kite.
1: Yeah, they're common in the American South. Mm. Particularly in beaches.
2: Yeah, and their school is, like, right up... Like, the school is on one side of the road, the beach is on the other. So, after getting that warning, she pulls out a sand, like, maybe... Four minutes later, pulls out a sandwich, and the character's like, no, don't do that. And she's like, it's okay, I... I don't even remember exactly what her she tries to say, but, of course, the bird comes down and takes it out of her hand. And her reaction is, damn it, no, pulls out another sandwich. And then gets chased by birds. Which, to be fair, as a payoff, I was okay with that, but her initial reaction of, no, I'm gonna have a sandwich... Even though she had already been warned, really irritated me for some reason. But yeah, this is a this is going to be a slow burn probably. But I'm hoping that it is more interesting than Long Riders was because it looks like right from the get go they're probably going to be building up a cycling team and stuff. And I hope that a I th- hope that it can maintain a strong sense of progression, because I dropped Long Riders after the second episode. I was, like, had no patience for it. It had a few too many of the cute girls doing cute things sort of mentality behind it. And this does at least does not have that going for it. Its style is not, it doesn't have a moe styling to it, it's... I could see this being a more interesting sports anime, and I hope that it is, even if the first episode didn't wow me. And I also watched Yojo Senkai, which
1: is Yojo Senki?
2: Senki, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um Uh Oddly forgettable despite looking promising. This is an anime about World War One, but with magic. And it's about a—I'm going to say German. I don't remember what the country's supposed to be called, but a German.
1: It, it, I've seen the promos for this. It's, it's yeah. It's it's aping German.
2: Of course, I know it, quite obviously, but I think. That the map even looks like Europe. I don't recall with any certainty, but yeah, a German general who's like a, I don't know, maybe nine-year-old girl or something, uh, is psychotic, and that's the premise. It doesn't have much else going for it. It looks relatively nice, but... It doesn't do much to make itself stand out at this point, and I would say, oh, I'll stick with it for a little bit. I honestly doubt that I'll remember to stick with it, even for a second episode. Maybe if I hear great things about it at the end of the season, but for now, it's dropped off my radar so much that I almost forgot to put it on this list.
0: So with the way that you described it as like World War One with magic, and reading this description that I'm reading from my anime list, .NET, not my personal, I Fucking. It sounds like it sounds like it should be way more interesting than it actually feels. Yeah. Like like the way it's described is like there's this fucking like Aryan Barbie doll, fucking going out and doing shit, but in reality, she's a Japanese businessman.
2: I don't recall that.
1: Yeah, yeah no, there's the, the, the premise explains that this guy. When he this Japanese businessman when he died, um he tried to like uh haggle with Buddha, so Buddha was pissed at him so it reincarnated him into a world of endless warfare as a nine year old girl.
2: Uh, they have not covered that in the first episode. Okay. <laughs> so it was just Hey, what if Lelouch Lamprouge was a nine year old girl? and combine that with the opening of Saving Private Ryan.
0: Yeah, that sounds...
2: Far more interesting than it actually is. Like, again, and I don't actually mean... I'm being a bit mean to it just because it was one of the more promising titles of this season... It's not bad, but it's like a 6 out of 10, 3 stars out of 5 sort of show with, with this first episode. And it lo- Doesn't wow me. Nothing about it really stands out that much.
0: And it looks like this is the first outing for Studio Nut.
2: Input obligatory and nut joke here. <laughs>
0: You didn't even have the fucking wherewithal to go through with the non-joke.
2: Yeah. And, again, I really should specify, not a bad show. Even compared to Akiba's Trip and Spirit Pact, I give it a higher rating than both of those. And I, you know, I probably sounded more positive about Akiba's Trip because I had low expectations for it. I had... Moderate expectations for this. I'm not too interested in the whole fantasy retelling of a historical war, really, but the production, the concept, at least from what I knew about it, seemed intriguing enough to give it a chance, but it didn't really live up to any expectations. It's just okay. So... If you hear anything better about following episodes, I can recommend it, but at the moment, yeah, I could take it or or leave it. Okay. And then the last new show that I was watching was what I described to Deadman as what you would get if you took Revolutionary Girl Utena, Bureaucracy, and France, and threw those in a blender. And that is ACCA uh, uh, 13-ku-kansatsu-ka. Sorry, my handwriting was a little jumbled at that last bit. I really fucking like this show. I'm interested in seeing where this goes just based on the style alone. This, I don't... This takes place in a weird fictional nation, like island nation. That if it turns out this is where Revolutionary Girl Utena is actually set, I would not be that surprised because between the uniforms and just aesthetics, I kind of can see that. But. It focuses on a member of the investigation department that serves to overlook various divisions within the country. There are 13 separate uh, states, I guess, would be a way to put it, within this single uh, nation. And they serve to go around checking efficiency, making sure that there's no corruption or anything like that that could be causing problems. And this is a somewhat idyllic nation in a way that almost feels a bit off. And I'm very interested in seeing where they're going with this. Our... I really recommend this series. It's not the best that I've seen like in recent memory or anything with its first episode, but it definitely drew me in. And... I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of how exactly did it describe the series, because our main character is uh, John Otis, and he is a kind of aloof, chain smoking bureaucrat. Which cigarettes are highly taxed, so people constantly are kind of put off by the fact that he's smoking them because it makes him seem very affluent and above his status. And it's interesting because there isn't too much to characterize him in this first episode, I suppose in terms of like, I don't know what his backstory is. He, his family appears to own a, Building and his sister serves as the uh, manager of the building, but beyond that, I don't know much about him, but I do have in a su- in a strange sense a sense of what his character is, and I'm very interested in seeing how this all plays out. I'm very fascinated by the bureaucracy of this fictional country. I I wish there was a better way for me to sell this show because like all that happens in this first episode is it turns out they're threatening to get rid of the overarching inspection department, the, and just leave it up to the local levels to handle their inspections and oversight process. And our main character initially is of the mind that, oh, well, that makes sense. But he's still getting sent out to go and sir perform an audit of an area. He goes, finds that some of the individuals there have been uh, uncovered a illegal, uh, essentially bootleg cigarette producing a plant and have been getting kickbacks in exchange for overlooking it and there's no action scene to this it's entirely him looking through paperwork and finding oh this doesn't match up you're fucking with us (laughs) And then he goes back home, learns that they've decided that the heads of the bureaucracy have decided not to get rid of the department after all. And then he goes to perform an audit of the local area, and that is the first episode.
0: Based on how you're describing it, it sounds like it has the same kind of appeal as like Papers Please.
2: That might be a fair. Uh, that might be a fair description.
0: Like that game is really hard to sell to people because it is incredibly engaging. Being a border patrol guard and checking everybody's paperwork.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really leaning towards saying, yeah, this might be papers please the anime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I had heard about this, you know, before it aired, and this is one of those ones where I specifically sought it out because I was like, oh, this sounds like it could be an intriguing execution. This was from the uh, creator of, what was his previous series? It was uh, House of the Five Leaves, which I had heard pretty damn good things about, but I had not actually, I think I was planning on seeking it out and just never got around to it. And I remember it having a very, very distinctive style. But... Yeah, this is... This is definitely my recommendation for the season so far. Uh, The last thing that I watched was... I watched the first four episodes of Konosuba.
1: Okay, finally something I can engage with.
2: (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty funny. So. It leans on some of its jokes a little too much. It's not that they're unfunny, but
1: they oh, they they reuse them a tad too often. I can see that.
2: Yeah, mainly the. I'm not going to spoil the jokes for people who haven't seen them, but there's a joke involving the party's tank that.
1: Oh yeah, they run. that I've joke only the she's <laughs> only been
2: around for like two episodes at this point. Uh, I think because I only watched the first four episodes. I think uh, she's introduced in the third, or maybe the end of the second episode. And they have been leaning on the primary joke with her a lot. Yeah, have you seen And the... it's a joke that is inherently awkward. Yeah. And that's not to say it's unfunny, it's just after a while I'm like, okay, move away from this for a bit.
1: Yeah, have you seen the episode with the cabbages? Yes. Okay, so that, that for me is probably the point where her... The joke with her gets the most surreally overplayed because there's something about the image of a of a woman being battered by flying cabbages over and over again that's just kind of surreal.
2: You don't say, <laughs> but yeah, I like the characters enough. It's I, I can see why it gathered quite a following when it first aired, despite arguably being one of those series that was expected to just sort of fade in the background.
1: Yep. It was created as a commercial tie-in to a light novel, which is still a weird premise to me.
0: (laughs) Wait, the anime was made to promote the light novel? Yes. What? (laughs) That <laughs>
2: There is a reason they only ordered 10 episodes for the first season. Like, like, that is just an awkward and weird number of episodes for an anime season. Yeah,
0: yeah, it really is. But
2: no one thought,
1: hey, this is going
2: to be really good.
1: Yeah. Now, Occultic 9, that'll be gold.
0: Yeah, that's a series that'll last throughout the ages.
1: You know,
2: even though it gets a certain Jimi Hendrix song stuck in my head every time, I am curious about Chaos Child. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Crap. Yeah, I got Voodoo Child stuck in my head again. Uh, Is that for you, then? Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I... Like I said, didn't follow up on any of last season's anime. I will probably, at the very least, try and finish up Drifters, and uh, March comes in like a lion at some point, but I just set them aside during December and haven't returned to them.
0: Okay, then. Bertie.
1: Whereas I'm the opposite of Cora, I was mostly just trying to finish off stuff from last season. First and foremost, so I can just purge this from my need to critique it, I finished Occultic 9.
0: How was it?
1: Well, you know how the last time we talked about this, uh, it sounded batshit insane to you, and Cora asked, okay, but is it executed insanely, or is it just sound insane? It's definitely the latter, because if I had to sum up the series in a sentence, it would be... People Explain Shit, the television show. So, yes, it's insane, and the last episode in particular is kind of hilariously insane in that uh, I can sort of see the writer's room meeting where they said, oh, shit, we're halfway through the last episode, and we forgot to give anyone pathos. Quick, cram it all in. (laughs) So they have this, like, eight-minute sequence of people having character motivations and revel- revelations, and they do that scene where, no, main character, don't sacrifice yourself. You mean so much to us, whatever your name was. And it just it falls so hilariously flat that I'm just like, why did you even bother?
2: Because like, they need a joke to. joke from Konosuba.
1: Eh, maybe. I mean, I, I haven't watched Konosuba in a while, so I'm not sure what joke it would be. But, like...
2: Uh, probably the one where the mage and the main character are like don't worry we're going to go off and we'll do whatever it takes to save you and then aqua just runs up and says lift curse and they're like yeah okay have a moment
1: <laughs> yeah now i remember what you're talking about yes okay but um if i had to sum up um the the finale of this show uh Good guys win, bad guys lose, England prevails, I don't give a shit, move on.
0: Okay, moving on.
1: <laughs> because, and this is the thing, Dave, man, if you want to watch a semicolon series for the anime club, I would still recommend Chaos Head, because while this is sh- this series plot may be more insane than Chaos Head, it's not executed crazy, because, um, just for examples of what we've done previously, another. He didn't move on. I just God damn it! <laughs> you ruined Sorry. the joke. Continue. <laughs> but um, another not a good show, entertaining to watch occasionally.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that fucking umbrella!
1: Yeah. Or yeah. um, fucking Boogie Pop Phantom. No, terrible show. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> oh. The, 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 <laughs> but dead Man clearly loved it
0: <laughs> oh yeah easily top 10
1: <laughs> what was it you said after one episode my brain my brain is on fire
0: yeah watching that show and like trying to decode what the fuck was happening <laughs> you know that feeling when you get goosebumps on your hair like on the ha- on your hair your head like I felt that inside my skull I think I need to see a neurologist.
1: <laughs> but yeah, as as bad as that show was kept you guessing throughout now. Granted, that's because no one knew what the fuck was going on, but whatever. <laughs> uh Occultic nine. It's not hard to figure out what's going on. It's just stupid and boring. Okay. And that's, it's entertaining to tell someone what happened to it. Like, um, a friend of my, a friend of and Cora's, Jenna came over a few nights ago, and I told her the plot twist about the uh, uh, soccer ball tits being possessed by the seventy-year-old ghost of the daughter of Nikola Tesla. And, was, and she just had this like deflating groan for several minutes. That kind and that launched into a rant. So that that's, was kind of entertaining.
0: That's the appropriate that response. Of-
1: <laughs> so that was kind of entertaining, but I would never recommend watching this as like, ooh, we cannot get some fun out of this. No, you're just, you're going to say, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. I'm bored. That's stupid.
0: So what you're saying kind of is repetitive. the only real way to get entertainment out of, out of fucking Occultic Nine is to tell other people about it and watch them react.
1: Basically, yes. Mm.
0: So and be sure I'm sure to look I'm forward cute. to our brand new YouTube series, Explaining Anime to People.
1: Ugh. But comparing, uh, I'm curious if this was if this was directed by a writer. I know this, this series was written by the guy who wrote Steins Gate, but I don't know who directed it. And this kind of feels like it was directed by a writer, like all those um, Stephen King ad- movie and TV adaptations of his own books, and how relentlessly boring they are most of the time. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. And there's a lot of stuff in the last ten minutes that suggests, oh, this could have been more interesting if you didn't have so much goddamn talking with, like, the main characters discovering, oh, because we're ghosts, we're not limited to a human form, so we can fly and shoot lasers and shit. (laughs) Okay. Like, last ten minutes, that's all you get for that. And, like, the main characters like, okay, so if I imagine wings, I can fly. And he does. Or he imagines a key he needs, and it materializes in his hand, and his Pew pew gun turns into a light cannon.
0: Okay, so looking it up, uh, the show was directed by two different directors, um, Yuki Kuroki and uh, Kyohei Ishiguro, Ishiguro, both of whom okay. have yeah, both of whom have experience in episode direction in a few different shows, as well as animation. Okay, so it was directed by directors.
1: Okay, it just feels like it's directed by a writer. Okay, well, Occultic 9. I, this is probably why I felt the need to talk about it right here, because for some reason, um, a site Cora and I occasionally visit to get like the scoop on which kind of anime we should maybe watch for the coming season, Random Curiosity, ranked Occultic 9 as the best mystery of 2016.
0: <laughs> oh, sweetie.
2: Yeah, though, when... Birdie pointed that out. I was left trying to remember what else qualified for that category.
1: Uh, Lost Village, I think? I think the other thing that won was Erased.
2: Which, okay, yeah, Erased would be the better series, but so would Mob Psycho 100. I'm still not entirely certain to what extent it qualifies for the category. Like, Erased... Touches on, on the possibility that it could have been a mystery, if it had a sense of mystery to it, but...
1: Yeah. But at least aside from It its, didn't. At least aside from its ending, Erased didn't make you feel like you were banging your head against the wall for six hours, to which Korra responded. Well, yes, but then that's the better mystery. Why are you banging your head against the wall for six hours?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, sure, and fuck then it, I why not?
2: Went off and was trying to figure out if there was any innuendo I could get out of Nikola Tesla, which I couldn't think of one. You know, Tesla coil, alternating current. There's gotta be something in there somewhere, but
0: yeah. Alternating so, yeah. I feel is the strongest contender right there.
2: Yeah. The coil, I'm certain there's something.
1: So yeah, um fuck Occultic Nine. Forget it ever. With the coil. <laughs> Yeah, get zapped by the pew-pew gun by soccer tits. <sighs> they actually, gonna, uh, get a wireless, they're,
0: gonna use a Tesla code to wirelessly transmit my hatred.
1: Yeah. There's a... There's an ending credits uh, art image at the, in one of these episodes which shows electrical energy coming out of soccer ball tits' breasts. Which is like, is that why they're so big? They absorb too much electricity and they're that perky? <sighs> but, I don't know. That's just a... Stupid image. Whatever. Don't care. Forget and, about you know,
2: it. This is an interesting complaint because if they at least acknowledged it, suggested that this was an actual like because I don't want to say, oh, you couldn't have a character like this work. You could. There doesn't even need to be some supernatural thing. But admit that it is a situation if she complained once in the first episode about back problems this would actually be far less of a complaint that I had for the show
1: yeah no that's the thing it's just it it continues to distract anyone who watches it but it never seems to even be acknowledged much by anyone in the series so it's just kind of well what was the point of that
2: yeah no, I I get that.
1: So yeah, fuck Occultic 9. So, so what else? Uh, well that I mean, in terms of new anime, I guess I finished Keijo, and if you had told me that I would like Keijo a hell of a lot better than Occultic 9 at the beginning of last season, I would have told you you were crazy. But Occultic 9's worst problem is that it can, it it's stuck with the tropes of sports anime. That's its worst problem, really. Everything else kind of works. So I can actually, I, I never thought I would say, I can recommend you watch the series with vacuum butt cannons.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm probably not going to check out Joe just because...
1: Not your thing. You know, I,
2: <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, like, I could probably enjoy it. I just don't really... Not the kind of show that I'm looking for, really, at the moment. Like I, I sometimes, I'm sometimes harsh on fan service, but I've often acknowledged it can be used in a way that is entertaining and adds to the production. It's just more often than not, it's intended to just, uh, distract and try and maintain viewers through just pure cheesecake. So Keijo does implement its fan service for comedic reasons and for plot-based reasons because it has a ridiculous plot. So I can see that working. I'm just not,
1: not interested
2: in it at the moment. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's fine. No, I can... Kjo. I'm glad I watched is if nothing else, as a palate cleanser for Occultic 9. But, um... Uh, okay, so that's it for anime. But in terms of manga, I started reading a seems like it's weirder than it really needs to be series uh the ghost and the lady which is a victorian era manga well i mean the manga is not from the victorian era it just is set in the victorian area with a ghost called um the man in gray following around florence nightingale Wait, what? A ghost called the Man in Gray, who, as far as I've determined, was was an earl in life and made his made his life being paid to sub in and duels for rich people, is following around Florence Nightingale.
2: It's difficult for me to both process that and remember as much as possible as. Uh, as I can about the movie Ghosts, so that I could try and pull references from that.
1: Okay, so... uh, So the series... uh, Apparently most of the story is going to take place in flashback, because it starts in the present of the time, which I think is like the turn of the century from 19th to 20th, in what's called uh, the Black Museum, which... Don't know if it's real or not. I'm looking it up now. Apparently, it is real. I don't know if it still exists, but uh, in Scotland Yard, it's sort of a museum of evidence and artifacts collected from cases that are just bizarre enough to showcase to the public. So it's a it's somewhere in Scotland Yard. So it's a collection of they call it a collection of criminal memorabilia from at New Scotland Yard. So the crime museum of one of the oldest police forces in the world. That's not a bad place to set up stories, really. No. And the the first case is the case of um, the fused bullets, where um, two bullets hit each other head-on during the battle in the Crimean War and fused together. And this is basically used as an excuse to follow um, this ghost and Florence Nightingale through the grotesque horrors of late 19th century wars, in this case the Crimean War, and what led to a situation where, as I believe um, the guy who found the bullets put it, it's a billion in one chance that two bullets could hit each other head on and fuse like that, but with 300,000 bullets fired over the course of a day or two, I suppose it's possible. Now, this is where it gets weird. Because... Okay, (laughs)
2: goody.
0: This is where it gets weird.
1: Because, um... It's discussed... It's it's revealed that, um... The Grey Ghost can see these things called Adelons. Which are, like, demonic... Um... Demonic images representing all of the, um... Inner thoughts and turmoils of a person. And they often, uh project outwards and hurt either the person who has these feelings or the other people. So you have, like, these demonic images that are basically designed to represent hate or mistrust or anger. And Florence Nightingale, for some strange reason, can see these things. And she, because of that, she can also see ghosts. So because of that, she hears the rumors of the, the... the man in gray who hangs out at the theater in London and just watches plays. And apparently if he shows up at your play, they're like, Oh cool. That means we're going to succeed. Not sure why that's true, but whatever. Uh, Whatever. Fuck it. So she comes up to the man in gray and says, Hey, kill me. (laughs) And he, and he's like, why? It's like because I'm just I am in full despair. I can't. If I want to do what I want to do in life. My family will hate me. I can't live like this. Kill me. And him being kind of a psychotic bastard. It's like oh no no. This is this is too juicy. I want to see you at the at get even more full of despair and anguish, and then I'll kill you. But this being a story that needs to drag on for more than one chapter. He keeps following her around looking for opportunities, but because of his presence, she keeps finding strength to overcome both her own personal demons and the anger, mistrust, and contempt of her parents. So it's basically a story about a ghost haunting a chick who is haunted by the real world, if that's not weird enough.
2: My brain is still back on trying to find Final Fantasy references with Adelons, but I can't...
0: Uh, you remember that manga that came out a while ago that you really hated? I think it was, like, Simon the Summoner or something. This is reminding me a lot of that. Oh,
1: Salmon the Summoner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Like, that whole thing was about a, like, demon summoner who wants to, like, was like, about to kill this lady, and it's like, oh, you're so fucking up on life or whatever, I'm going to make you say fuck the world, then I'm going to kill you.
1: Yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. It's in this case because the only actually supernatural thing going on is the presence of the ghost. It's not quite as distracting, maybe because, like I said, despite all these uh, monstrous, hellish images, most of them are just represent. They're just uh, visual representations of what tortured emotions can do to a person, psychically, uh, mentally, or emotionally.
2: Yeah, it's like how when someone eats Soma's cooking, all of their clothes are ripped off. Visualization. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just, I was like, my brain went to that, I'm like, oh, I need to share this with the cognitive dissonance of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, then.
1: Yeah, I don't know, it's just, um... Between the art style, which kind of reminds me of um, Kota Hirano, but not quite. And just these images of these ridiculously hellish, like almost Silent Hill level monsters that are just representations of the emotions that are choking or poisoning people. I find that kind of interesting. And also the way this guy, much like... um, uh, Kota Hirano, this guy draws eyes a lot like Kota Hirano does. Let me see if I can send you an image to get an idea of what it looks like. But, um, I mean, the the writing's perfectly good. Uh, There's a couple fails in, like, art continuity, because, like, there's this scene where these two guys are sword dueling, and it looks like one is floating in the air like Peter Pan while the other's doing that Russian dance. Okay. So, yeah, an occasional art fail like that's a little distracting, but on the whole it stays pretty good, although like it does the other it does the other thing that Kota Horano does is that if it doesn't want if it's doing a more comedic moment, the art style kind of slips to where it's much more flat and non-distinct. Which I mean, is not necessarily a bad thing, it's just it's noticeable.
0: Yeah, those are some Tota-ass eyes.
1: Yeah, that's Florence Nightingale.
2: And I will admit, they both have the habit of concentric rings in the eyes in a way that, okay, that doesn't really make sense in the real world, but as a style, it works. Though I do find it odd that one eye has two concentric rings contained in it, not including the iris, and the other only has one.
0: Yeah, that's because one of them is the Renangan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah but i don't know like a lot of times um for some reason when japan discusses like turn of the century europe it tends to be entertaining like it, something about like the eight the eight late late 18th to beginning of the 20th century you, you, japan just seems to love talking about this maybe that's because that's when they became exposed to european culture that they're so infatuated with it but it is kind of entertaining to look at. And like between this and another series that I'm still reading slash watching, uh, the che- Le Cheval- Le Chevalier d'Eon, Japan does seem to find interesting stories to tell about 19th century Europe. So I'm actually having fun with this one.
0: Cool. Hmm.
1: All right. Let's look back at my list, see if there's something I'm missing. That might be it, because I haven't been reading that much manga recently, and so I'm a little behind. Um, is there anything that needs to be updated? I guess uh, I did read the uh, My Hero Academia spinoff of uh, Vigilante.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: It's... okay.
0: Yeah, that's... that's Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's gotten a bit stronger since its opening.
1: Like, Knuckle Duster is kind of dull. Uh, I, he's one note. Yeah.
2: In kind of the same way that... He... As a mirror of All Might, I can kind of see how he's intended to work, but I... To be fair, kind of find all might to often be dull when he was in his all might form. He was just kind of that one note character intended to be more symbol than an actual character.
1: Yeah, I think that kind of the the image of him deflating back into his real form often kind of informed the fact that he's more interesting when he's not trying to be all might.
0: Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> yeah, that makes that, that makes a lot of sense. Like being the best hero ever. You can't be really that complex about it. Yeah. Like, look at Superman. Superman is incredibly simple.
1: And yet, everyone fucks him up. I don't get it.
2: But, uh... I hate to drag the conversation off topic, but in the case of anime, uh... (laughs) I... think there's some interesting ways they can go with Knuckle Duster. I do like the fact that, okay, they pretty much confirmed, yeah, he either has no quirk, or if he does have a quirk, it is not related at all to his role as a Vigilante. And I find that interesting, because I originally thought that might be the direction that they would go with uh, Midoriya in uh, the core series. Yeah. And... So the idea of them doing that with this character is intriguing, but he remains somewhat one note in his approach. I'd like to get a glance of what his run-of-the-mill life is like, because that could be used to draw that same contrast, the same way that watching the deflated All Might drew an interesting contrast and made the standard, you know hero version of him more interesting in hindsight because of the contrast. So if they give us a better look at the what informs this character, I think he could be more interesting. I like Gentleman. He's grown on me over the first three chapters. I, pop step doesn't really have much to her at the moment. No, she's...
1: She's there. She she's she's as one note as knuckle duster, but she's also kind of annoying. So I dislike her more. Her than common
2: she has more common sense than he does. So they kind of balance each other out in in an odd way. I I don't find her annoying because she's at least rational enough to remember. Oh hey, let me gather this information. Yeah, and. I could, like Much like Knuckle Duster, I could see her becoming interesting, but at the moment, the core of the series is Gentleman, and I kind of do like his progression so far. It's not superb or anything, but I'm seeing more promise in the series than I did back in the first chapter. I thought that the first chapter was okay, but felt very bland and generic yeah. compared to what we were given in the core series.
1: Yeah, that's probably. I mean, art style still works pretty well. It's my. It's a little. It's kind. of, it, I think. I feel like uh, the the main My Hero Academia series, since it's sort of worked out its tone and characters, has kind of evolved its art style from where it's begun, and this is kind of going back to where it was at the start. So maybe it will evolve too. I don't know. I do like this premise, but they haven't. It's not. It's too. It's too. Soon to really get a sense of where it's going, really. So, <laughs> okay. All right. So, one last thing I started watching. I forgot about this for a second. Um, I think Dead Man said he's at least watched some of this Death Parade.
0: Uh, yeah, I watched uh, the first couple episodes of that and then kind of fell off because it seemed like it would just get repetitive.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that's not true. I've watched the first two episodes and it's an interesting take where the first episode sets up the premise and has two characters that are not over important to the overall premise of the show play out their death game. And then the second episode introduces the main characters, sets up their dynamics, and also plays out in the background of the episode we just saw. I think that's an interesting way to play that out. Not sure if it's necessary. And it also... And the, my, from the episodes I've seen so far, the big question I'm left with is: Given the premise of this show, why would uh, why would the beings that control the way the universe works have flawed, fallible judges judging the souls of the living of those who have died?
0: Because they did, we wouldn't the, have a series.
2: Yeah, but. Maybe they didn't have access to non-flawed, fallible judges.
1: Maybe, and again, that's a question that the series might answer in its remaining episodes. There's still a few episodes. Like, hey,
2: when we do juries, why do we leave it up to humans when they often get it so very, very wrong? Well, we don't actually have much alternative.
1: Yeah, but, but, like, my premise with that is, like, if god it, so in the in the judeo christian tradition if god judges you at the gates when you die if jimmy was the one judging you
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but that gets into theological debates which there are no right answers cuz they're theological debates yeah, yeah.
1: but like a, a theological debates kind of unavoidable when the premise of your show is when you die you go here to have your good and bad traits weighed against each other so it's kind of unavoidable that you're going to have something of a theological debate, but I feel like I need to watch more of the show before I can get a sense of what this show's theological argument is. I like its style so far, and the main character looks like something Cora would draw, <laughs> but <laughs> with his like bright white hair and one eye covered up with like this very dour, stone-faced expression on his face, no matter what he's talking about.
0: Yep, that's and he's al-
1: always wearing a bartender outfit. So.
2: I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've shown me several drawings that seem very similar to what this character looks like.
2: I suppose. Yeah.
1: But um, I like the style so far. I'm interested uh, there's obviously some interesting overall overarching plot threads that are going to be played out through the course of the series. I just hope they're resolved efficiently because i'm sick of both manga and anime where they're like hey um we're over but we haven't really resolved stuff (laughs) like so gaping plot holes in a series that's supposed to be somewhat satisfactorily resolved always bother me like i don't want to go back to occultic nine but i just remembered a giant plot hole where they asked this one character hey how do you have knowledge of the future and she literally just blinks out of existence
0: best way to resolve plot holes is is the second somebody brings one up just they're gone
2: oh you're right replied god and disappeared in a puff of logic
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man (sighs) so yeah um i'm at least curious enough to keep watching death parade for now i've got like this giant pile of anime and manga that uh I'm currently trying to work my way through, so I'm probably going to try to keep up with that. But yeah. Uh, and yes, actually, the way this guy draws... The way you draw eyes, the particular core, is very similar to this series.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I just sent out a practice sketch that I literally just posted <laughs> yesterday because I was like, eh, that's turned out okay.
1: So yeah, uh, that's it for me.
0: All well right, then. On to me. So... Uh, First thing, I finished off Drifters.
1: Not a satisfactory ending.
0: It's a sequel hook. Yep. When it-
2: I haven't finished it yet, but I'll acknowledge. Kind of expected that from the get-go.
0: Yeah, we got introduced to two new arch rivals, essentially. One for Tehisa and one for Oda Nobunaga. and then it just stopped. Yeah.
2: Yep. Kind of what I expected.
0: Yeah, overall it's- I mean, I went
2: into no know- I went into this knowing that the manga was still in production and I think I even probably said early on we're either going to get an original Hellsing ending. Or a to be continued, and I'd much rather have the to, uh, to be continued.
0: Yep, yeah, so that's what we got. Uh, the series will be coming back in 20XDX. Take from that what you will.
2: Ooh. It, and it'll be coming out right around the same time that Mega Man becomes reality.
0: Sick. Yeah, it's we've
1: Capcom, so it'll be like the Mega Man that's just like lame.
0: Yeah, so we've talked at length about Drifters and I don't really have any new opinions given the ending just that it was to be continued. Moving on. So I started and finished watching Yuri on Ice.
2: Huh, okay. I'm meaning to revisit that.
0: Yeah, so going into, like, end-of-the-year stuff, I was seeing in my news feeds just a bunch of stuff about, like, oh, hey, fucking top anime of the year or whatever, and out of, like, one out of every three had Yuri on Ice on that list somewhere.
1: Yeah, I've seen that a lot, too.
2: Yeah, I've been meaning to revisit I remember liking the first episode, but I think it's on my list right behind uh, Rakugo. On what to revisit. Yeah, so
0: I thought, fuck it, let's check it out. And so I watched all of it, and it is pretty good. Not best of the year or anything by a fairly wide margin. Okay. But it is still a pretty solid show. It's just... The worst part of this figure skating anime is all the figure skating. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Is it bad CG animation or
0: partially yes? So, basic plot for those who don't know: uh, there's a figure skater Japanese named Yuri I Ninkovsky. Mean, Yuri he is considered one of the best in Japan, even though he keeps fucking up at tournaments. And then there is also an up and rising, up and coming figure skating star named uh, Yuri Pluzetsky or something. He's a Russian figure skater. Uh, After losing at a tournament, uh, Japanese Yuri uh, goes home and skates the routine of a long-time figure skating idol of his named uh, Victor. Another Russian figure skater. And based on the show, the best figure skater in the world. And that gets recorded and uploaded. It fucking goes viral or whatever. Victor sees it and decides to become his coach. And then from there, it turns into a show about these two men developing a gay relationship with each other. Okay. That part of the show is the best part of the show. Like I in that first episode, I was worried that this was going to be Fujoshi bait. This seemed like it was going to be just hot guys doing hot guy things. To an hey, extent what was,
1: that, what was that series you watched, Cora, the the cheer club?
2: Oh, Cheer Danchi! Yeah, I watch the first episode of that because yeah, that was exactly what that was. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, it, it's, it's. I was worried it was going to go that direction. Like, it had the first episode. Yeah, it had some plot stuff, but it wasn't really going into what the relationship for the show was going to be. I thought it was going to go that way, and then they just immediately fucking nipped that right in the bud because uh, in the first episode we meet uh, Yuri, a Japanese Yuri's childhood friend. Uh, a lady who runs the local ice rink, and nearing the end of the first episode, it looks like he's about to confess to her, and then her husband and kids show up. At which point, that just stops. And then from there, this relationship between Yuri and Victor develops that, while it goes pretty fast, or at least feels that it goes pretty fast, like the series takes place over the course of eight months, and by about 8 months in they're essentially engaged so that did feel a bit weird in terms of like just time scale but fuck it whatever it's it's fiction relationships move at fucking brick neck paces But it didn't really feel like eight months Mm. had passed because it's over the course of 12 episodes that don't really show a progression of time. Like, it's it's like a fucking world-hopping series. They go from country to country. And given that, the weather changes just fucking whenever. So there's no real sense of progression in time. And the figure skating competitions don't help either because in every single competition... Yuri skates the same two routines. Oh, that's
1: that's unfortunate.
0: And I don't know if this is like a figure skating thing. It just...
1: Oh, I know uh, that there's like a certain limit to the number of potential performances you can give in ice skating. But I think most professional skaters know not to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So that's kind of disappointing.
0: We want to know what's real disappointing? they don't change the animation at all.
1: Well, that sounds like the reason why they didn't change the performance. It's cost-cutting measure.
0: Yeah, like like the, like the choreography and the animation stuff, it is all done through the exact same angles and the exact same choreography every single time. The the actual change from performance to performance is about 1% in that they occasionally add in like single frame reaction shots or just change up one aspect of the performance. That is super easy to change.
1: Yeah, that sounds like hey, we're going to the performance really as per regular. Let's just do it again, but with slight cosmetic changes.
0: Well, I thing—it's not gorgeous. It actually
1: looks kind of like shit. Well, they thought it was.
0: Like, the, the, <laughs> yeah, like if anything that anything in that anything in like the figure skating stuff that looks like it is traditional animation. It looks like very poor rotoscoping. Oh. And then everything that is CG looks like anime CG. <sighs> and it gets especially rough because twice in one episode, they go below where they stopped animating. Like uh, like how the, how the animation usually works is they have, you know, the template of the guy doing his routine and they have, and then they just kind of move that, and then they kind of move the ice rink around them. So that kind of does make it feel a bit like a lazy susan, like I, like having the figure, like having the skates be completely perpendicular to the direction they're moving. But so they, yeah, so they have basically just these templates of stadiums. Just we have this fucking big ass picture that we're just gonna kind of move around to make it look that the figure skaters moving. But for one of the rinks, they didn't draw the rink far enough. So so when they moved it up, we could see the black nothing beneath it.
1: Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate.
0: And it especially sucks because they treat the figure skating like an actual sports anime does. Which is not good because they don't know how to do that. It is no... Figure skating is, figure skating scoring especially, is this weird esoteric thing where part of it is based on technical scores, you know, like actually landing jumps and stuff, and the other part of it is based solely on performance. It is all subjective, that part of the scoring. So having the same animation go over and over again, and we never see any real change. We are told there's a change.
1: Yeah, that that's a problem.
0: Yeah, like, it'll be like at the end of a skate, the fucking Victor will run up to Yuri and say, hey, that was your fucking best performance yet. Or the color commentators who are fucking commentating over every single fucking skate. We'll say, oh, we're seeing the birth of a brand new fucking what's his dick. And it makes so little sense that in one competition, we had two skaters, uh, just some fucking jobber and Yuri. In the skate, the jobber skated perfectly apparently best performance of his very short career. And it was all this fucking whatever. Then Yuri comes on, messes up one of his jumps, and eats shit hard face first into the fucking barricade and wins by a wide margin.
2: Uh.
0: So the figure skating doesn't make sense in terms of a scoring and who can win and lose perspective. In terms of actual technique and stuff, they all look exactly the same. Like, they like they will say, oh, all right, so we got a jump combination coming up. Oh, that's a triple toe loop, a triple flip, and a triple sock, or fucking whatever. He's just spinning. Not changing his feet. Not doing anything. Just, I'm going to jump in the air and spin. Which, real figure skaters, if you're listening to this, hi, I guess. Th- jumping on skates is a hard thing to do. Jumping and spinning on skates is a hard thing to do. And I'm sure in real figure skating, there is, like, some fucking actual tactical difference with all this shit. In this animation, there is no difference.
1: Yeah, this sounds like the directors didn't have a good action director for a series that was more of a drama. But really, should have had an action director for those scenes.
0: No, what, no, what it should have done was had what it should have done was be a drama and then have no figure skating. Really, just have just have like figure skating as this weird pretense of a vehicle to like show us this, these two relationship. Okay, because that relationship is. I thought this after I got like fucking four or so episodes in. This show is really earnestly gay.
1: Okay. That's good. Like first episode or two, it does So it's not fa- it's not fangirl baby gay.
0: The first episode, the second episode, there is kind of a fan baby gay moment. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be whatever. But then like the humor and seeing these two interact off each other, that kept me going to the future episodes and where in those episodes the relationship really developed. It showed the it showed like these two growing as a couple. It showed all this shit happening, and it seemed wholly, it seemed wholly earnest that these two were actually developing a real relationship together. And it wasn't just, oh, these two are close, or whatever, and fucking Like, they fucking make out with each other on national television. Like he, like like a, like, like Yuri, like, does his big skate routine.
2: Because outside of Shows that are targeted towards that demographic. I've often felt that... Then this is actually particularly the case in the West. That's a dynamic that often isn't represented well in fiction. You know, in the West we've definitely gotten more representation of female-female romances. But even then, those can be limited or... I don't want to say fan-baity, but at least... Like it's a gimmick, so I, yeah. I am glad that at least it pulls that off well because I have not seen that much.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, Bennett the Sage was railing about that in a previous video where he was where a fan apparently asked him, "Are there any shows about gay men that are not Fujoshi bait fan bait?" And he said, as far as he knew, not much.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, like as as far as I know, this is like one of the first really big mainstream successes that about like gay people or whatever that isn't like some fucking super lover shit where it is all fucking fujoshi bait.
1: Yeah. So do you think that might be why everyone's just ignoring any flaws in like the animation or the or the direction of the action? Because, Oh, this is kind of an important series for what it represents.
0: Probably like, yeah, that's the thing I always keep, that's the thing I always kept saying, uh, seeing was when everybody was talking about this relationship, that's what drew everybody into this show. And so, and so, going into it, I wasn't really sure what to expect. It's like, oh, it's a figure skating thing, so it's going to be like sports. But then also, everyone's talking about this fucking relationship. And it is not a very good mixture of those two things. Like, the relationship works really well, I think. It is very sweet. It progresses at a decent clip in, for the length of the series. Like, timescale, real world-wise, might not work, but fuck it, whatever, what do I know about relationships? But there were moments. In, there was moments where I was watching this, and I was like, "Real feeling shit."
1: Oh, cool. Okay, that's good.
0: Which is cool. something that which is something that I never thought I would say for a show that introduces our second male lead as him standing up, buck naked in a fucking hot spring in some of the best animation of the fucking show.
1: <laughs> yeah, all about that D. Yeah, uh,
2: that for that is record, also. For the record, because he did reference it, I want to state that we are recording this on Wednesday, and Super Lovers 2 does not air until Thursday, so Deadman cannot give his opinions on it yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God damn it, well, thanks, Cora. Thanks, thanks, Cora. You've trapped him into watching Super Lovers
0: <laughs>
1: Piece of shit.
2: I'll be perfectly honest, like, back when that first season was airing, I remember, I think it was, like, there were a couple of shows that I was not particularly interested in watching, and that was one of them, but I was kind of like, I'm gonna leave it up to Dead Man what I watched that season, and I was a little surprised that you didn't ask me to watch that or uh, Shonen Made, which I actually heard was far better than one would expect from its premise, but...
0: Yeah, like with Super Lovers, it just... <laughs> It did not seem like something you would be interested in. It was not something that I was interested in. It was not something I was interested in hearing about.
2: (laughs) Okay, fair enough. That last one is the one that makes sense. I was like, well, just because I wasn't interested in it. I've reviewed plenty of crap that (laughs) clearly was not up my alley.
0: Yeah, but. but. Yeah, so relationship stuff, that all works. And that stuff is actually really well animated. Now, this was, I believe, a Studio Mappa joint. and having uh, and having the uh the main like off the ice stuff be where the focus of the animation is that that makes some sense it's just i wish that they spent more time either on the like actual figure skating part of it or just cut the figure skating out of it or at least reduce it to like the actual people who who are important like either of the yuris because they they're supposed to be like the two years are supposed to be rivals. They're supposed to be, you know, along the lines of a sports anime rivalry where they start out like fucking at each other's throats or whatever. And then over the course of the series, they develop a real fucking camaraderie on the ice or whatever. And then in episode 12, when Yuri says, hey, I'm thinking of retiring, then Russian Yuri, Yuri fucking dances his like ice dances his way into, into Japanese Yuri's heart and says, hey, keep fucking dancing. That makes no goddamn sense in this show, which is what happens. Because up till up until his act, up until he hears that Japanese Yuri might be retiring, Russian Yuri never refers to him by name. He only calls him Pig. And then all of a sudden, he goes into his fucking dance, and through his fucking ice dancing, says, "Hey, I want to keep competing with you." Yeah. And then when he then gets back, I'm gonna see he goes right back to helling him a pig. It.
1: Maybe that's pillow
0: talk. I don't know. <laughs> and Yuri also, and the other Yuri also is fucking Boy. barely has a presence in this show.
1: That that that's what I was thinking based on everything I've seen of like promos of this. It's a problem that a lot of... It's not just the gay thing. Like, a lot of romance shows have this problem of the love interest is far more interesting as a character than the main character.
0: But here's the thing. Like, Japanese Yuri and Victor, I think they both... I I kind of like Japanese Yuri as a character. Victor is... Yeah, yeah, he is this fucking weird, insane man A Pixie Dream Skater who I think mainly enters into a relationship with Yuri because no one would expect it. Like he says no one, that, one
1: expects the gay position,
0: yeah, like he sa- he says that his motto is "Always do what people don't expect you to do," which is actually kind of why he fucking kisses Yuri like a- like after Yuri finishes his routine, it's like this fucking great routine, and then Victor just fucking face tackles him uh, and, okay, and so we, and so we don't actually get to see like the actual kiss like contact. it is just every single thing around it says that they kissed. Okay. And. Yeah, I and I'm, I can kind of read that as just he entered into this as a goof. Until like the last episode, this entire this entire thing could have been written off as just hey, fucking whatever. But then it is. But then like you see that he is actually serious about all this and it is. This big thing. The two of them work great off each other. Other Yuri, barely there. All the other characters are fucking nothings. They're just these goddamn jobbers, goobers, who are just there to fill up space. And you got the fucking... There's a goddamn Canadian who's a piece of shit.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, fuck him, eh?
0: <laughs> the th- the theme he dances to is a theme about himself where people are singing about how amazing he is. It's called the so theme cana- of King JJ.
1: So a Canadian who really wants to be a trumper.
0: There's a flashback scene where we see him and he's dressed up as Cartman. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> that is an intentional reference too. Apparently, apparently South Park referenced Yuri on Ice, so they in turn referenced South Park. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this character might actually have just been in his entirety a dig at South Park. No, I
0: don't, I don't think. I don't think it was a dig. Like it seemed like it was just kind of a throwaway reference, kind of thing. Of like, hey, we saw you. Now here's our thing.
2: Okay.
1: So, like, what I'm what saying is. There wasn't I, any
0: malice behind it.
1: So, so what you're saying is, I should at some point expect the nostalgia critic to review um, uh, 100 Hyobu Kiyosuke, Or the Unlimited Hyobu Kyosuke.
2: Okay, that's. <sighs> For people who don't know what he's talking about, and that does include me, the Unlimited Hyobu Kiyosuke referenced. The Nostalgia Critic and uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Oh, right. That. that was a weird and obtuse way to go with that reference. Well done, Bertie. <laughs> but anyway.
0: Yeah, so figure skating isn't very good. The figure skating animation isn't very good. The other characters aren't that great. But, like, our main core dudes, they are very solid. They are a solid core for a show that, that does its best to try to prop up everything else. And I did finish it. So it does a decent job of propping that stuff up. It's just going forward into a second season, which I assume there will be one cuz the ending episode had something of like see you next season or fucking whatever.
1: Next time, Gary ice skating in summer.
0: Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yes, like going forward, I would like it if they pulled back on the figure skating stuff or at the very like reduce the number, the really like, reduce the number of figure skating scenes. To just the ones focusing on, like, our main trio of dudes, the two Yuris and Victor. And have it be... Have it be, like, of the level of, like, the fucking first figure skating scene with Yuri doing his fucking Victor routine. Or the last figure skating sequence in the show, which is this really fucking fantastically animated bit of Yuri and Victor, like, figure skating to a... Figure skating a routine that Victor had previously done as a duet is this fucking great bit it is some of the better animation in the show and if all the figures getting was like that i would be totally fine with it just like have it be more dynamic have it be different even if it is even if it is just the same song show it from different angles show it from like fucking different vantage points don't just have the same bullshit over and over again have have like fucking different skate up god Every it it seriously it seriously
1: sounds like you would have loved this series if not for this one thing. So you want the second season to either remove it or improve it.
0: Exactly. Okay. I can see why some people were like, "Oh fuck yeah, Yuri on Ice! It's fucking the bee's knees, bomb diggity dog." But for me, it's pretty good. (laughs) It could have been a lot better. And yes, I did say that, Bertie.
1: I didn't realize that you were a teenager in the early 90s.
0: (laughs) Aw, hells yeah, (laughs) Brahim. Oh, man. Any wiggity way. Uh. Let's move on to manga. So I wear three manga, and they're all in their own ways exceptionally terrible. (laughs) Do you want to hear about the harem one, the death game one, or the really stupid one?
1: Let's work up to really stupid. How about the uh, harem one first? Because those I can just kind of tune out.
0: All right. That. Worlds and harem.
1: Oh. Yeah. This. Yeah, I've read this one. <laughs> oh, crap. This
0: so, isn't Cora, even... Have you heard of
2: this? No. Not to my knowledge.
0: You ever heard of Why the Last Man? Yes. This is like if Why the Last Man was a, was a manga and dumb. Uh. So our main character name is name non important. He has mu-
1: he is literally a dick and almost nothing else.
0: <laughs> he has multiple sclerosis. Yep. And in the year 2040, when you have a disease that there is no cure for yet, you'll go into cryostasis while advanced AI computers develop a vaccine for you. He goes into cryostasis and wakes up five years later in the year 2045. When he wakes up, he discovers that every man in the world has died. Because of the MK virus or male killer virus.
2: This is an interesting sequel to Blue Gender,
0: yeah, he is now one of the five remaining men on the planet because the only because the other men to survive were also men who had multiple sclerosis, were also put in a and were also given the same treatment because somehow the cure for m s means you won't die from a male specific virus, yep. So he wakes up and learns that all the men in the world are dead and that the women who now run the government want him to just fuck everybody.
1: Yep, and uh, the woman that's assigned to him as like a caretaker looks suspiciously like his childhood friend who the women know about but say has disappeared.
0: Yeah, so some years ago... His childhood friend, who he confessed to before going into cryostasis, fucking vanished and left behind uh, a bracelet for him to find. He finds it, and it's like, oh, the MK virus was actually man-made. Ooh, and thus the plot begins.
1: Or person-made? We should say person-made. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So the only thing I could say in the positive for this series okay is that the artwork isn't terrible.
1: Yeah, I can tell this guy knows how to draw the human form somewhat.
0: For a hentai Not book, this detail. for a hentai okay. book, this book would be fucking top-notch artwork.
2: I was about to say I w- Sleazy though the premise may be. I didn't think this was a hentai and then
0: No, but from hentai. your phrasing I, it threw me off it's, for a minute. It's borderline hentai. They don't show any actual they, they, they,
1: I think it's I think it's I'm h- thinking they just haven't yet. From what I've seen, they're going to. They just haven't yet. It's
0: softcore hentai. That,
1: yeah.
0: They show sex, they don't show actual penetration. Yeah. This is the Emmanuel 2000 of hentai.
1: <sighs> it's okay.
0: 16 chapters in. Don't read it.
1: Yeah, it's boring, stupid, and not interesting at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's boring, generic, and any kind of titillation that you could get from it, you could easily get from actual hentai. Yeah, or... Porn? Just regular a lot porn? A what
1: they show, you can just get in series that are... More enjoyable on a visceral level. Like I would much rather just rewatch, rewatch, or
0: reread "Freezing." Yeah, "Freezing" is. If you get titillation from that, you might have something wrong with you. Just saying, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of tits being bisected.
1: Yeah, and a lot of uh,
0: horrible mental trauma and sexual abuse. Yep. Like I think there are like two fairly extended rape sequences?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since I've read it. It hasn't updated in a while.
0: Yeah, so... Don't read World's End Harem. No. Not at all.
1: Also,
2: but probably don't... thumbs way up for freezing, apparently.
0: Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Also, don't read Tomodachi Game.
1: I don't even know what this is.
0: It's a death game series.
1: Be more specific.
0: <laughs> okay, so main character. He is obsessed with two it's, things.
1: It's, so wait, it, it's, the title literally translates to friend game. Yes. Is it about betraying your friends? Or, yes, it or is,
2: is it just about the process of playing Tomodachi? Because that inevitably leads to death anyway.
0: Uh, no, it's a game about... No, it's a, ga- it's a death game about betraying your friends.
1: Okay. Okay, well, I'll be back in ten minutes
0: then. Okay. So yeah, main character. Name, not important. Uh, He is obsessed with two things. Friends and money. So he has, like, five friends. Uh, one of them is the son of a city councilman, and he is a bit of a dick. Uh, One of them is... Big tits and shy. That's it. Another one is fucking big guy. He's seemingly very fucking put together and cold, motionless kind of thing. Another one is the daughter of a detective. Their class is raising money in order to go on a field trip or whatever. He finally gets his money raised and goes and gives it to the the fucking whatever. And they get it all collected. Two million yen total. Then that money gets stolen. And everyone's like, oh, what's the fuck happening? And then uh, people start blaming his friends. He's like, oh, no, they wouldn't do that. He then shows up at the school after getting a note for one of them and gets tased and wakes up in a weird room with all of his friends and a name tag that says that he is like $10 million, $10 million yen in debt. Then a character from an anime shows up and says, hey, motherfuckers, we're going to be playing a game. And every game, the purpose of it is to have the friends slowly turn on each other, which is part of this big Organization thing there are multiple groups running games at the same time there are people monitoring the games at all times there are they are being live streamed to the clouds or whatever. And yeah it's all about these fucking people these friends slowly having their friendship unravel before them. Until our main character says oh wait I figured out the secret of this game blah 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 blah. And it turns out he's a sociopath who murdered three people. Woo! This series is boring as sin.
2: Yeah, I figured that of the three, the Death Game one would actually be the least interesting.
0: Yeah, it... A repeating problem that I find with Death Games is that the games are so fucking elaborate. Yeah that they have to spend so much time explaining the rules and how things work within the rules of the game that any momentum a series like this could build up is just fucking immediately killed
2: yeah best you get is like it's a kind of common subgenre and we say death game trapped in a game would be a better way to describe them cuz some of them aren't death games like you know log horizon is trapped in a game not a death well, game well
0: yeah i wouldn't but, consider that a death i wouldn't consider that a death game though like i wouldn't really consider that the same genre yeah but it is as-
2: no i would because they, they're still having rules imposed on them in a world or in a scenario that is does not match up with their expectations and the similarities between it and say something like sword art online Sorted Online is a death game, but it's also trapped in a game. Batum is trapped in a game and a death game. So I, I, I prefer trapped in a game because it brings in a few more titles that have a lot of similarities in terms of construction and the elements at play. But death isn't necessarily what's at stake.
0: But like Batum, they aren't trapped in the game. They are on an island. Like, like, but like it a- is
2: a game.
0: Like, I wouldn't really it cons- is
2: arbitrary rules established utilizing a, like they may not be in a digital world or anything, but they are trapped in a game. And it is a death game.
0: I can see where you're coming from, but I...
2: Like I never when I say trapped in a game, I'm talking about scenarios where characters have rules imposed on them that do not match with standard reality in a sense. Batum, I- they are given these weapons that operate unlike any that you would generally establish in real life. They're weird, sort of arbitrary grenades. They're told that they have to kill each other off. It's an imposed game. So, that that's what I mean.
0: I can see where you're coming from. I... There's a... I, I see a fairly big divide between, like, the trapped-in-the-game stuff and the death game stuff. Like, there is overlap, but... What, I, those, I feel what those two, that two series go game, out to do?
2: I feel that Death Game is inevitably trapped within a game as well, so that's why I use "trapped within a game" because there are a few more titles that can be added in that bear notable similarities, but because death isn't what what's at stake, they would be otherwise considered separate.
0: Okay, well, in the sub sub genre of death game, which itself is a sub genre of trapped in a game, uh, yeah, like there are only so many kind of things you can do with that. Like you need to have you need to have the games like be complex enough that there could be some some level of strategy in there, but simple enough that you don't fucking take like half a chapter to explain how the fucking game works. So yeah, it's.
2: I don't know why, but the line, but a simple two-word line went through my head, and I had an internal groan, which was "future diary." <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: Fuck.
1: Oh Christ! I came in at the wrong moment.
0: That fucking goddamn it! you are talking about
1: some people love that series.
2: As- we were talking about death games versus like other crap and he was talking about um What were you talking about?
0: You oh, need you need to have uh, you need to have a game that is uh you need to have a death uh, for Tamodachi,
2: death whatever.
0: Yeah, for death games you need to have a game that is simple to understand but still has a level of strategy in it that can make it like a that can make it like a fucking all of a sudden heel turn kind not of thing.
1: Just arbitrary.
0: Yeah. Like like one of the fucking games you have to do is it's called like backbiting or whatever. And it's like, all right, so each of you has to stand on a square. Then each of you stands on a square, then what you do is you go into this booth and then write out a secret about somebody else in the team. Then those secrets are revealed. Then our people watching, they will then vote on whose secret is the worst. That person then moves forward X number of squares. If you if nobody gets voted, then you all move forward one square. If you get to the end first and blah blah it is just <laughs> It is so asinine with this shit. God, even as the me, gods will had you. easier fucking games to understand than this shit.
1: Let, let me ask: so, like, you've watched, you've watched some of Death Parade? Would you say those games are simple enough to understand in its rules?
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't. I, again, I wouldn't really consider those death games.
1: Well, like, yeah, like, I was like trying a, to avoid. I, I mean, yeah, I guess the twist is they are death games for people that are already dead so it's more just a test of your moral fiber than you could die but it still feels the need to show the physical response of what happens when you throw a dart into a person's uh, at the heart spot and you see them cough blood out of their chest
0: yeah but th- those are those are th- that's kind of the way you need to go with it you need to have like a game that is easily understood by everybody and then add the twist to it like as the gods will is kind of one of the only things that come to mind where like the first game they play is some variation on red light, green light where there's this
1: is that series.
0: It's a death game bullshit thing.
1: I I know it is, but I'm just like, having I've read a chapter and I'm like, what the fuck is that series?
0: Yeah. Like, I think the first game they play is a drama, some kind of thing, where there's like this little statue, and then and then it slowly spins around saying its name, and it, when it's not looking at you, you have to run forward as far as you can. And then as soon as it turns back around, you stop moving. If you move, you die. Yeah. See, that, that yeah, is a... I
2: think to summarize Dead Man's thoughts, uh, two thumbs way down for Future Diary.
0: Essentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the final thing, which... I just noticed this trope, and I feel really dumb because I feel like I should have noticed it earlier. But in series where where seemingly average people are thrown into these are in, or, or, or thrown into these like stupidly insane situations that involve just lots of horrible death and supposedly psychological horror, but mostly just relies on horrible gore and fetish art. Time travel yeah. is usually involved.
1: Yeah because a lot of okay so what's are you talk, what series are you talking about cuz the one that comes to mind for me for stupidity of that is Cage of Eden.
0: Yes, that was one of the examples. Also see Green Worlds.
1: Oh god, Green Worlds.
0: And it, Maho Shoujo of the, the End.
1: That one. Okay. Yeah, well first let me ask, why did you keep reading Green Worlds after I described it to you? I'm an idiot. <laughs> People got tr- Flew through time via printing. I was like, no. No, 3D printing,
0: please. They weren't using a fucking (laughs) laser jet. Anyway, Samaho Shoujo of the End, also known as Magical Girl Apocalypse, is about our main guy. Again, name not important. He is hanging out at school, doing fucking whatever. An old childhood friend of his is getting essentially assaulted every day. And he's doing nothing about it. And then one day, a fucking Sailor Moon, Gothic Lolita reject shows up and murders his entire school.
1: So the beginning of, um, what was that series with all the blood? uh, Dead
2: Man Wonderland?
1: Yeah, Dead Man Wonderland.
0: Yeah, kind of.
2: It's odd that I'm the one that jumped in with that title. Thought someone else on this podcast would have thought of what you're leaning towards immediately.
0: Yeah, you'd think, but, you know, this show with the blood. There's a yeah, lot of shows with description,
2: blood. Before he even started suggesting, I'm like, this sounds like Dead Man Wonderland.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, that's a terrible show that's entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. Anyway. So, yeah, so the girl, she has this weird magic wand thing, which is a ball on the end of a stick. When she touches you with it, you explode.
1: anybody adding another one to the Jimmy girlfriend list, okay.
0: Anybody who is killed by one of these maho shoujo then comes back as a zombie.
1: Higher up the girlfriend
0: list. And then it is about this main guy, uh, a lady with huge old titties. And his and his up. and his childhood friend, who is supposedly sixteen but looks eight, as they try to survive. Because Japan, yeah, as they try to survive this world, and they end up coming across a cop who is a rapist. That guy is our uh, other. That guy is our other main character. Fuck. And Not who having
1: high school the dead flashback? And
0: he might actually be the most powerful character in the show in the series so far. Because he's been the only one to actually kind of permanently kill any of these fucking Maho shojos, And he also stole their wands to use their magic powers.
1: Well, that's effective. Yeah, and he's I mean, kind of. If you know that I don't need to be a magic girl to use this magic wand to blow up magical girls, that's what Jimmy would do. He would just find a way to put it on the end of a shotgun.
0: <laughs> Some of the wands are just actually straight up guns.
1: Okay, even further up Jimmy's girlfriend list, <laughs> we're up in the top twenty now. I think.
0: Yeah, and so as the series progresses, we learned that the young, the childhood friend, is actually like super fucking insane as a personality that was sent back in time by a deaf kid who is trying to become God. But because or- of course. But in order to do that. He needs to get the children of 13 different magical girls and then give them to a witch. The problem is, of the magical girls out in the world right now, one of them hasn't had a kid. So what he does is he sends a personality back in time to enter that person's mind to try to force get a situation pregnant to try to force a situation where she would end up fucking the main character.
1: That sounds like Japan. Also sounds like the kind of fucked up Japan I try to avoid.
0: Yeah, the Maho Shoujo's themselves are actually artificial beings created by the blood of actual magical girls. Because actual magical girls are a thing. Apparently.
1: What the fuck, Japan?
0: I don't know why I read this one for so long either.
1: even, even, all of your, even your stuff that's gross and disgusting, you try to make cutesy. Like, I, I, I forgot to mention this after my Japan trip, but a friend of mine I made there who had just turned, uh, 20, which is, I think, like, the legal age to look at pornographic materials in Japan when we were at a mall together, he asked me, hey, can we go into the pink room? <laughs> because he's, I was, he knew I was older than him, and I was like, <laughs> Is that is that the room? Is that the room with like hentai stuff? And he said yes. And it's like I'd rather not.
0: Yeah, please don't make me and go he, in there. <laughs>
1: uh, and he said and he was, he seemed so innocent about it, which I think some, to some extent, a lot of Japanese people might be to where they're like before a certain age, they're maybe exposed to it somewhat, but they're not exposed to the harder stuff. So they get to, like, their late teens, and then they're just, like, childlike curious about it. Which sounds insufferably racist on my part, I'm sorry, but it's just the way that this conversation came across where he was like, oh, come on, I'm just kind of curious what's in there. It's like, you know what's in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I it's know all you fucking- and I
1: are friends, but I don't particularly feel comfortable going into this area with you. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, but, yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, when I was 17, I saw somebody get vibrators pierced through their nipples. I spend my time in the bad part of the internet.
1: I assumed you just said, I walked down the street in Canada.
0: Please. Our Canadians, Please. the hardest thing I ever saw walking down the streets in Canada was one time I saw a screen door open while somebody was watching somebody else give somebody a blowjob. And that, oh, no, kids, is some- how I discover what a blowjob is.
1: I've read some comics about shit that goes on in Montreal that would suggest otherwise, but...
0: Yeah, but those are French Canadians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that not Canada?
0: It's a different kind of Canada.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, so at least I'm not the only one being racist. Continue, dead man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... What's weird about this series is that I didn't feel like dropping it until time travel was introduced.
1: Well, you know, time travel is a great way to break a series narrative.
0: So So me seeing all this fucked up gore happening to these weirdly pervertedly drawn people and a fucking little girl in booty shorts... Uh, Like an actual little girl in booty shorts.
1: Yeah, I know, I know.
0: (laughs) All of that, I was apparently fine with. Then you bring in time travel and I'm like, fuck you.
1: Well, because most of the time when a series like this brings in time travel, it's because we want the story to go in places that are not going to make any sense. So we need to write ourselves a reason why we can say it makes sense, even if it doesn't. (laughs) Most of the time,
2: <laughs> yeah. I've actually been here for this entire conversation. I'm just like, I have nothing to add to this. Well, yeah, I that's mean, fair.
1: Like, I mean, like, what's the only time travel series that comes to mind off the top of my head in anime that where I'm like, okay, the time travel makes sense and is appropriate? The Steins Gate. Like, I know. Uh, I mean, Erased had time travel, but that was the most Maruka. Oh fuck! Right, that one character had time travel powers. Like. Keep forgetting it. That felt... I don't know how I felt about that that time travel. It made sense in the story. Yeah. Uh, It's just... I I don't know. It felt like that could have been handled differently. Other than just to make the character seem more worldly than she actually was. But... Eh.
2: I thought that was one of the strongest elements of that series.
1: I (sighs) like that character. I didn't... That episode... The episode where they show the different timelines of how that played out, I liked. I just felt like it was a way to backwrite a character into being more interesting than she initially was. Because I never really liked Homer at the beginning of the series.
0: Anyway, yeah, this is just... I don't even know why they made this. I don't even know why they made it time travel. I don't know... Like, like the idea of like end of the world caused by Sailor Moon, I find that kind of interesting because I like kind of deconstructions of stuff. I like taking things that are normally like fucking eh, whatever, and making them bleh. Like that's well, kind. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, the reasons why. That's kind of the reasons why my favorite comics are what they are.
1: Well, I mean, but it doesn't always work because, like, the big deconstruction of giant robot anime is a flawed piece of shit.
0: <laughs> but, Which one was that?
1: Evangelion,
0: <laughs> right? That thing.
2: Surprised you had to
1: ask. <laughs>
0: now it, there, there's another one that I saw. That there's another one that I read that was like giant robots, but but giant robot piled by children. But whoever piloted it oh, dies. Bokurano. Bokurano is that yes. who
1: you're referring to?
0: Yeah, Bokurano. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that series. <laughs>
0: yeah, that that was kind of like a deconstruction of it too. Just like, hey, yeah, we're piloting giant robots, we're kids stuff, and then just. One of them just eat shit yeah, off the side, that, dead. That,
1: but I feel like that series would not have existed if Evangelion was not created.
0: Yeah, but I've spent way more time with Bokurano than I did with Evangelion.
1: Fair. Fair. I watched but three. Like, I, I mean, I've watched
0: three episodes of Evangelion. <laughs> I read over a hundred chapters of Bokurano.
1: Yeah, but I mean that's like saying. Here's the thing: series like Evangelion, they often inspire imitators that, in my mind, sometimes are better than the original, the originator. Like, a series like Razaphon,
2: I knew you are going to say that.
1: <laughs> I like better than Evangelion. Okay. I know it's a bit more complicated. I know people don't remember it as fondly to the point where it's basically forgotten about. But I like that. Actually, it's the a loss of
2: a giant robot series, technically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess the giant robots are... It doesn't
2: really qualify as a deconstruction because its focus is elsewhere.
1: Yeah, and actually also that's another series with time travel that kind of works now that I think about it, but yeah. uh, so, um, I, I mean, I, I still love Modica Magica. I'm scared to watch the third movie because I was surprised that the original Modica Magica series managed to come out with even a moment of hopefulness considering how dark that series got. <laughs> and from what I've been told of people who've watched the third movie, The first two movies were essentially rehashes of the show to get the funding together to fund the third movie, which was the true ending. And I'm like, oh, fuck.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I. I read quite a bit of Mahou Shoujo of the End. Yeah, Did not particularly enjoy myself. I just kind of did it.
1: Sounds like it. It's actually, actually like
2: the approach that you take to watching, mo- watching and reading most things. It's like, yeah. well, this sucks and I'm miserable. Let's watch the next episode.
0: And, but it's, just like, it's usually shit like this. Like I, like fucking Green Worlds. Fucking, I read a bunch of that, and that was that. Just means that just means you're
1: a mark for this kind of storytelling.
0: Apparently, and I don't know what that says about myself, and I'm really worried.
1: Eh. Actually, I forgot to mention, speaking of uh, dark series that ended darkly, did you, I didn't know if, did you guys read the ending of Akame Got oh, Kale?
2: No, yeah! I knew yeah. it
0: ended. Yeah, I did. That was...
1: <laughs> that was so, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah, just this series of fucking dark depression and then all of a sudden they just fucking throw a bunch of candy at your face.
1: And some of it is just like Hey, I'm just looking forward to the future timeline of this series where Tatsumi explains, Hello, son. I'm a dragon.
0: Yeah, like, th- that's what <laughs> I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to fucking see. Like, like they have that one bit where, like, at fucking Tatsumi's original village, it's like, oh, hey, we got money. Yeah, I mean, this kid's about to do it all right. And then they say, Tatsumi came back, caused a bit of a commotion. <laughs> like, that's what I want to Sorry. fucking see. It's like... Hi
1: guys, I'm back. Uh, my friends are dead. This is my wife and child. I'm a dragon, so... How have you guys been? bit of stuff happened.
2: <laughs> yeah, I stopped following that series not that long after... Like, I never finished the anime, and I know it's split, but I... Yeah.
1: Well, what, that's the this weird thing. thing with it's the split. arena.
2: I remember there was an arena, and someone was being held hostage.
1: Yeah, well see, that's the weird thing. The anime ending split from the manga ending but it was still relatively close aside from the, in how it actually ended aside from one or two minor details like the big difference to me is they don't Tatsumi doesn't die he just becomes a dragon yeah the other big thing is that they don't push the ez death relationship to the point where her final moment is embracing Tatsumi's corpse and freezing herself into shards
0: <laughs> Uh, no, she just is like She
1: still she still freezes herself into shards, but she does it with the knowledge that I never had him.
0: Yeah, like she she knows, like she looks like she sees Tatsumi, it's like, Oh, I loved you dude, but fuck me, I guess, and then and then ice. Yeah. And then Which is the opposite if okay. Jimmy
1: was in that relationship.
2: <laughs> and and, <laughs> and, and actually, didn't I didn't know that's how either series
1: ended.
0: And so that's something, like with the uh with the like the Tatsumi ending, it's like, yeah, so he and Mina go off and they have children. Which means that she had sex with a dragon.
1: Well, no, the way they say it, the way they express it, is that this one night when he was upset that he had to kill Asdeath, he's like, "I'm going to make you forget about Asdeath," and apparently fucked his brains out.
0: Yeah, yeah, but they say children as in multiple. So did she have twins, or did she just have one and then have one and then like,
1: how did does- I that? Okay, that I don't know. I said like maybe she just had twins, but I know like at least their first child was born. Yeah, the, he was their, first, still
0: human. their first child, full human. Second child might be a dragonborn.
1: Yeah, I was about to say first t- first child completely human, second child not too dragneal.
0: And thus we have fairy tale.
1: <sighs> Sorry, Cora, I know you don't give a shit.
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> but yeah, oh, yeah, that was a so don't stupidly read silly Ma- ending. Don't read Maho Dark Shoujo series. at the
0: end. Just don't.
1: Read a Kame Got Kill if you're curious about how darkly stupid it gets. Yeah. Because it is darkly stupid. <laughs>
2: yeah. Not, and- I lost patience with it, like I said, back when someone was being held hostage in a, like, God, I do not remember that series. I can understand uh, that.
1: I can understand it. It's not that memorable of a series. I just, it, it's the kind of insanity that is not necessarily good, but I enjoy. Like, like, the main of appeal
2: of it was the fact that it blended that sort of almost shonen style cartoonish quality with
1: ridiculous ultra violence.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that wore off, and it's like, well, there's not actually much else to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That that's not, that seems about right. But yeah, it's <sighs> fuck.
1: I mean, to be fair, the the final climax between a giant. Monster robot and Tatsumi becoming a dragon that pierces its heart was kind of entertaining, even if it was ridiculous. Yeah, and then we got to watch
0: a fat man get carved up like a turkey.
1: But I kind of appreciated that.
0: I'll say this, it resolved things.
1: Oh yeah, it resolved everything, even if you don't necessarily buy some of the resolutions. (laughs) Like the scene of the... In terms of uh, surreal anime shit, the scene where Tatsumi, as a dragon, says, Hi, Ma- Hi, Ming, I'll be here for you from now on, as a dragon, and he's trying to embrace her is kind of funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then she fucking wakes up and starts, like, jokingly smacking the side of his giant, toothy maw. Yep. Anyway. That was probably gonna even watching, then. On to news, because we have some. Yep. So, first up is a thing that I... It's not really news, but that I found really funny. Okay. So, Crunchyroll. uh, A couple weeks back, uh, they released their... They released a thing that was, like, uh, taking a look at their most popular anime on their service by country. I just want you to take a look at the map and... I just want to take a look at this map and look at the the distribution of color. Cause it is. Yeah. Like,
1: okay. So I guess some of, some of the colors, I don't see how I don't, I don't see the lineup, but the fact that ReZero is the most popular, doesn't surprise me that much.
0: No, but, it's, not, um, it's not a surprising thing. It's just how big.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for me, the weirdest uh, thing is how um, diverse the the distribution of favorite shows in Africa is.
0: Yeah, that's also <laughs> yeah, really they weird. They apparently
2: have a thing for Twin Star Exorcists of all things.
1: Yeah, yeah and Relife. Life.
2: That's the one that I'm like most confused by. Well,
1: and like a
0: not Re can- it- Go ahead
2: re Life was decent enough with its first episode. I never followed up on it, but uh given the fact that it appealed to uh binging, it might ha- that might have something to do with its popularity in certain regions. But
1: yeah, apparently most of the Middle East is a big Mo- twin star exorcist fan except for I think that's Turk, that's not Turkey, that's uh Iraq.
2: Well, Turkey apparently preferred re zero.
0: Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, well, Italy oh, oh, super big into berserk.
1: <laughs> so, well, the one that I, I I didn't realize anyone liked Big Order.
0: Yeah, there's mm-hmm. this one dark purple spot <laughs> in this fucking map.
1: Because if there's anything like most of these, some of these series, I will question the likelihood of people liking. Big order, I'm like, how does anyone like that series, but okay.
0: (laughs) There's one guy watching anime, and he is like, he has fucking Big Order, or just on repeat.
2: But yeah. So I don't find any of this all that shocking.
1: Well, I mean, I find the the distribution in Africa kind of interesting. Yeah, again,
2: (laughs) Twin Star Exorcists having a... I, I would not have expected this to even appear on this map, much less dominate quite a few countries.
0: Yeah, I just found this really. I, I just found this really interesting.
1: What, what does it say that North Korea's most popular is Terraformars? ours?
0: That <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I want to say a joke, but I just can't think of one. That just kind of feels... That feels right, for whatever reason. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, if you're interested, you can find the map yourself over on Crunchyroll. Moving on to actual news. So first up, uh, the February 2017 issue of Monthly Shonen Magazine announced that... uh, There'll be an anime adaptation of Tomo Takeuchi's Welcome to the Ballroom. The competitive ballroom dancing manga.
1: Yeah, I just found out what that is, and I'm like, that's a thing? Apparently.
0: (laughs) That apparently has the same plot as fucking Hajime no Ippo.
1: Yeah, I saw that, where it's like a guy who's listless and wants to find his play in life, and then this one guy is saved by a much stronger person who's like, you know what you need? Ballroom dance.
0: Oh, uh, hell yeah, dog. Let me bust out my tux.
2: I'll be honest. Absolutely nothing that has been said surprises me. So... Like, I, I have no... I'm not surprised this is a thing. I'm not surprised it's getting an adaptation. It's just, like... Okay. Uh, that's... Yeah, that, that that's anime. That makes sense
0: to me. All right. Apparently apparently, an update to the story was that the anime will be airing on television.
1: Mm. That's... I would have assumed that, but okay.
0: Yeah. Look, moving on. Yeah, so moving like on. Two
2: seasons ago, I watched a... very... cutesy... anime about competitive table tennis that involved jealousy... And aggression. I'm not surprised by sports anime at this point.
0: Yeah, but I, I feel like it might have a similar problem to Yuri on Ice in that ballroom dancing has a fairly subjective scoring system.
2: True.
1: Was, was, was wasn't that a Steven Universe joke when they were doing the giant robot fights and they did, did an art the art competition?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, moving we'll right along. So, there's a new manga out. There's a new manga uh, that'll be coming, or is already out. I don't know. Called um, "Sekai oyoku Sudo zankoku no method," translated roughly to "Cruel Method to Make the World Better," from artist Kosuke Yamanami and writer Makoto Fukami, who Birdie might know as the scriptwriter for Psychopass. Mm. He wrote Psychopaths. was a new mm. manga about mass murder. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's about a 17 year old kid it's named uh, Geketetsu Amo who does not stand out at school, but under the excuse of, quote, eliminating harmful elements from the world, begins committing mass murder.
2: Yeah. Well, that would be uh, innovative. But if only, like, what if he had like a notebook or something, where anyone whose name he wrote into it,
1: they died.
0: No, nah, that would just you be know. too terrible. What you need, what you need to give him, is you need to give him a gun.
1: What, and what, what, if, what if there was some guy who worked for a police agency who didn't look like he should, who was involved in the case somehow?
0: Yeah, but our guy has a gun.
2: Like, I joke, it's just that this, this, as a premise, does not stand out
1: to me anymore. Nope, does not. The only
0: reason reason I included it was because Psychopath Writer.
1: Which means it'll probably be an okay setup, and it'll blow its load and fuck itself in the ass.
0: And given that the setup is so... Mind-numbingly original as it is, I feel like the ass fucking's going to be like monumental. Yeah. Moving on to our next piece of news, uh, in Big Spirit Comics, in Big Comic Spirits magazine, uh, it announced that uh, Kengo Hanazawa's "I Am a Hero" will be returning on January 16th, and then will end in seven more chapters.
1: Didn't realize that show, that series was that close to ending.
0: Nor did I, and I'm reading it.
1: That's the only reason that bit of news stuck out to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, I think Dead Man likes that series."
0: Yeah, it's interesting and weird, and interesting and weird.
1: So it's boring and in co- common.
0: No, it's interesting and weird.
1: Okay, I'm just interpreting what you're saying.
0: That time it was literal. Okay, like it's the one. It's the one with like the head with a gas mask with a chicken legs no, that goes. I know. Into the,
1: I know what it is. I know what it is. That's...
0: Then he turns into a tree. You know, like you do. Yeah, they need to fucking do some work if that's going to be ending in seven chapters, and it needs. And if they want to have it end good.
1: But so many manga that had strong beginnings have ended badly, and that's a manga tradition, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. But anyway, going to our fun piece of news, and a bit of sad news. Um, Jung Hyun Park, uh, the 41-year-old editor, former editor, well, first editor of Attack on Titan, has been arrested for allegedly murdering his wife.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Yeah, so Park was uh, Attack on Titan's chief editor uh, back in 2009 when the manga launched in uh, Basatsu, Shonen Magazine. Uh, He had, since last June, he had since stopped editing that series. Uh, But according to Senkei News, uh, Park phoned emergency services on August 9th at around 2.50 a.m. to say that his wife had collapsed. Uh, When officers arrived at the scene, uh, they found his wife... On her back with at the foot of the stairs with light scratches on her face. Uh, the cause of death was revealed to be suffocation, uh, with oxygen being cut off due to pressure around her throat. Uh, Park initially said that his wife fought on the stairs, but later changed the story. So he has been arrested under suspicion of possibly killing her. Uh, no word on if any charges have actually been filed yet. He is just currently under suspicion. Yeah. That's gonna do it for the today's show. I think on a happy note
1: on the same note as the Japan-related movie coming out in the U.S. this week, Silence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode of the DestroProds.com, Anime and Manga podcast. In between now and then, they're going to be having our regular run of newspaper reviews, podcasts, ow, kinds of bullshit, but... Until I'm dead.
2: And I'm Cora.
1: And I'm Birdie.
0: See you guys next time.